0: This morning, uh, I'd like to speak about something that uh, I think addresses a big question most of us have uh, throughout our daily lives, uh, whether personally, uh, corporately, uh, as a body, as families, as individuals, um, and that's simply, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? Uh, What should we do next? Um, And uh, that can fall into any category. It could be what program should we have, what ministry should I... Have to be involved in, how should I go about changing whatever I need to change, um, where am I supposed to go next, whatever the, the question might be, um, we're kind of going to kind of address those, uh, those questions, um, and actually I'll be touching on a couple things uh, that Robert mentioned last week uh, and a couple uh, persons that he talked about, but in a different aspect uh, and different uh, angles and how they dealt with the Lord and and with these uh, uh, certain issues. Um, If I were to try to nail down what I hope would come across, um, it would be our obedience. Our obedience in the light of His holiness. Um, And I think we would all agree that those two are not uh, mutually exclusive. They, they, They kind of depend on each other. They're very closely related. Our recognition, God's holiness, um, and our obedience to him. Um, if you'll turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter, uh, 11. Now having said, uh, having said that, uh, that we'll be looking at obedience, we are going to be looking at several familiar, uh, names in the Old Testament, um, you might finish on time, you might not. We'll see. Uh, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11 and verse 1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. And uh, I can jump down to verse 13. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock, that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you. And he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. And the land yield no produce, and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord has given you. Therefore, you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul, and bind them as a sign on your hand, and and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall teach them to your children, speaking of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give them, like the days of the heavens above the earth. For if you carefully keep all these commandments which I command you to do, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations from before you, and you will dispossess greater and mightier nations than yourself. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads shall be yours." From the wilderness in Lebanon, from the river, the river Euphrates, even to the western sea shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand against you. The Lord your God will put the dread of you and the fear of you upon all the land where you tread. Just as he has said to you, Behold, I will set before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey. Commandments of the Lord. But turn aside from the way which I command you today, to go after other gods which you have not known. Verse 32 adds, And you shall be careful to observe all the statutes and judgments which I set before you today. Um, and this this is given to uh, the people of Israel. Uh, this is, they've been given the law, they've been given instruction, and now he says before perform a fair warning blessing if you obey curse if you disobey um, and there's several and I, I didn't count them but there's several points in which he says all the statutes all the ways not just the majority or the you know the general you know end justifies the means get get where I want you to get follow every step along the way uh, and that's how you will get there uh, victoriously um, and so we can we can take this and apply this to ourselves. Uh, and we're going to see it also reflected in some of these uh, some of these instances we're going to look at. So turn to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 13. None of these are familiar uh, to us, I don't think. Um, we're going to be looking at Noah first. How the Lord gave him instruction and how he received it and what he did with it chapter 6, verse 13 of Genesis. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the
1: earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch.
0: And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. You shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above and set the door of the ark in its side. You shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing three waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh, in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, your son's wives with you, and of every living every living thing of all flesh you shall bring Two of every sort into the ark, to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of the animals after their kind, and of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you to keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him. So he did plain a simple tied it up in a package neat little go God said no it did no questions no if and or but no how about no I'm gonna get cool I got it Now I'm gonna go sit down with my sons and we're gonna have a few planning meetings for the next couple weeks and we're gonna tinker and see how we can God said no it did that was it um uh, the best part is and uh for sake of time, we won't really look at all the, the verses. But later on, once all this was done, he gets up He goes straight to it. The Lord brings the flood. All the animals are saved. No one and his loved ones are saved. They get out. As soon as they get out, the first thing Noah does is he worships the Lord. Noah recognized who was in authority, and he worshiped the holy God uh, by building an altar. And what's interesting about this, this account of Noah is we don't hear him utter one single word. Uh, in fact, I don't, unless I missed it, I don't believe he even has a word quoted <laughs> until about three or four chapters later. Uh, and it's one phrase right before he dies, he curses sin and he blesses the holiness of God and worship him. <clears throat> and that's it. That's the only thing Noah says um, that we have remembered. of. God gave him instruction And it wasn't even, okay, got it, get things ready, do it, and as God commanded, so he did, period. Turn to Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at Abram. And uh, we'll start in verse 2. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name good. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed from Haran. Then Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all the possessions that they had gathered, and the people whom they had acquired in Haran, and they departed to go to the land of Canaan. So they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Moreh, and the Canaanites were in. The land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants, I will give this land. And there he built an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, and Ai on the side, on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord, and called on the name of the Lord. So Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Again, very similar to Noah here. Um the Lord tells Noah, uh, Abram what he wants him to do, and Abram just, without, without any question, gathers everything, and including his, his wife, his, his uh, nephew's belongings, everything, all the people that worked for them, um, they pull up camp and they take off. And, and the best part is, at the end it says, going on still toward the south. He's going to keep going. He's not going to make any changes. He's not going to stop and reevaluate, reassess. He's just going to keep going until the Lord tells him otherwise. He's trusting in the Lord, but along the way, he's building altars. He's worshiping the Lord. The Lord is the one with the authority. The Lord is the one giving him instruction, and he's recognizing that. He is worshiping the Lord. Um, hearing and doing, it's the same thing, Uh, as we've seen with uh, with Noah. Um, Genesis chapter 22, a couple chapters down. Again, this is probably one of the most familiar passages when it comes to uh, obedience and faith. Mm -hmm. And in uh, verse 2, he says, then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham arose early in the morning and saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering, and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Um, and We're very familiar with how this uh, plays out, but the, again, the part I want to key in on is He told him to take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and offer him up as a burnt offering. And when he's done, the very next phrase is, so Abram arose early in the morning. Again, and and this is a hard one. This is a very difficult one. Um, But the Lord gave Abraham instructions, and Abraham followed. Um, And at the end of this trial, at the end of this test, He worships the Lord. He, he gives the sacrifice to the Lord. The Lord is still worshiped um, no matter what the circumstance was, no matter what the instruction was. Um, go ahead a little further to Exodus chapter 3. one, we looked a little bit at this last week. Exodus <laughs> chapter 3 and verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside for he was afraid to look upon God. Uh, God goes on to tell Moses uh, his instructions and what he wants him to do in going to Egypt. Uh, And in verse 11, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Moses continues to bring up a couple Concerns, you know, how will we know Who would I tell them sent me uh, And then in chapter Four In verse ten Then Moses Said to the Lord, O oh my Lord I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant But I am slow of speech And slow of tongue So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth Or who makes the mute The deaf the seeing, or the blind. Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. But he said, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And he goes on to tell him that Moses will go, or that Aaron will go and be the mouthpiece, but Moses would be his God to Aaron, and <laughs> The, the words to say, in the instructions. Um, very different dialogue and interaction between Moses and the Lord, and what we saw with Noah and with Abraham. Uh, Moses didn't simply accept God's command, <laughs> um, and we, we see that here.
1: Uh, the anger of the Lord uh, was was stirred against him. He questioned. He He
0: tried to get out of it. He begged, basically, for somebody else to do it. Um, And the Lord did allow that, but we see the consequences of that. You know, down the line, Uh, there's there's two leaders. Moses is gone for a little bit, so they go to Aaron. Aaron builds the calf for them. Uh, These troubles start because somebody didn't want to completely obey the word of God, the instruction of God. Uh, What's also interesting is God had to tell him to stop and take your sandals off. Um, Moses seems to maybe have been kind of enamored by the sight of the burning bush. i got to go see why this bush isn't burning. Um, And he's not recognizing immediately the holiness of the Lord. And he has to be told to take his sandals off. Stop coming further. Um, Do not draw near to this place and take um, he wasn't worried uh, about that. He wasn't thinking about that. Um, and so there's a stark difference between accepting the word of the Lord, recognizing His holiness, and and just doing it. Um, and in our eyes, I mean, some of Moses' concerns seem valid. I'm not that great of a speaker. I, I um, you know, I'm not good with words. People won't listen to me. I'm not strong. I'm not a good leader. Um, for this big mission, getting all of Israel out of Egypt and, and rescuing the people of God, this should be someone who's got a command presence, who knows what he's saying. Makes sense. We would think that. But that's not what God wanted. And so it wasn't what he should have said. Uh, turn a little further to Numbers chapter 20. and verse 7 Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying take the rod you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together speak to the rock before their eyes and it will yield its water thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals so Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock. Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. The water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me, to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord, and he was hallowed among them. Another translation, I like the way it reads, says, Because you did not believe me to treat me as holy in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. This was the water of Meribah, because of the children of Israel contending with the Lord, and he proved himself holy among them. A recognition of his holiness is important, is vital, and is absolutely a must. Moses <coughs> did not show the Lord is holy before these people. He didn't recognize God's holiness at this time. And because of that, he, he, had, he had to pay the punishment. He was not allowed to enter the Promised Land. Um, I don't know that Moses understood at the time, but uh, we see this as a picture of Christ. Um, and, and this was a big picture of Christ. Uh, and he was not to be struck twice and it carried with it a great penalty. Disobedience led to him not treating the Lord as holy and led to this punishment, led to this penalty we see how important it is to recognize the Lord's holiness. Um, and based on that holiness, to obey him completely in every step, water came out of the rock. he spoke to the people, he picked up the rod, and it seems like he's doing okay at first. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, Check it. Well, he didn't continue checking down the list. He didn't continue doing what the Lord told him every step of the way. Uh, and because of that, he was not able to enter the land. Continuing on in Joshua chapter 5. We're going to continue to see a little bit of a theme here where things might be good, they might not necessarily be bad. It might make sense, uh, it might be logical, it might be a nice thing made out of a heart desiring to bring glory to the Lord. But even those things, if not done in obedience, if not done according to the Lord, should not be done. Um, Joshua chapter 5 and verse 13. Now it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, "Are you for us or for our or for our, our adversaries?" Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, "No: but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come." And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And said to him, "What does my Lord say to his servant?" Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, "Take your sandals off your foot." for The place where you stand is holy, and Joshua did so. Um, Joshua is just recently coming to command, um, and Jericho is before them, so there's a lot of questions. It's kind of a new chapter in, in Israel's journey through the wilderness. Um, and everybody's mind is probably wondering what's going to happen next. You know, what's Joshua going to do? <coughs> uh, what going to do with Jericho? Um, a lot of what's going to happen going on Joshua sees the Lord immediately recognizes him his holiness and falls down on his face and worships him that was first that came before what should I do should I cross here should I do this none of that mattered until the Lord was given the homage and the worship that he deserved he was recognized for his position and Joshua gave him that um And instantly we see, he says, what does my Lord say to his servant? A lot of times, and and this isn't a bad thing, but a lot of times we come before the Lord with what we want to see happen, what we want to see done. And we say, can you show us how to do this? Can you make it available? Can you guide us through this and that, overcome this obstacle for us? But a lot of times we just need to say, "What what do you want your servant to do? We need to leave it open-ended. And here we see Joshua doing that. What does my Lord say to his servant? Stay, go, go here, go there, fight this this battle, don't fight. Um, He comes before the Lord and says, what is it that you're going to say to me? Um, Interesting enough, he didn't continue to walk with his sandals. and he saw that it was the Lord. He fell right where he was in his place, and then the Lord told him to take his sandals off. He took them off. He didn't have to be told to stop coming. Um, immediately, it says, and Joshua did so. Uh, the next chapter, chapter 6, and verse 2. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of Bali. You shall march around the city, all you men of war, and you shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priest shall blow the trumpets. It shall come to pass, when they make a long blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him. Here, the Lord gives them instructions on how to bring the walls of Jericho down. And you would think, <coughs> again, we would think, hey, okay, big walls, we're not really going to get over that easily. They'll get us before we get to the top. So, what are we going to do? We'll, we'll make a siege, maybe we'll starve them out. Uh, no trade coming in or out. After a while, eventually, they'll have to, you know, they'll, they'll either die of starvation and disease or they'll have to try to come out for some supplies and, you know, we'll be good. We'll, we'll get them. That's a solid. It makes sense, uh, especially with the numbers that Israel had at the time, but no, the Lord says take your mighty men of valor, your men of war, uh, later on he says your, me- your armed men, take these soldiers who fight, who kill in battle, and just have them march around the city uh, and the priests will have trumpets. It doesn't really seem to make sense that this is an army, and we defeated all the other places that you've brought us through. This is what the Lord wants, and I think it's—I don't think it's for no reason that the Lord continually emphasizes that these are men of valor, men of war, armed men, soldiers. He, he labels them as that several times in his instruction. <clears throat> um, they're in a, they're men of combat being placed in a position where they're not really going to have combat going to be a type of combat based on the Lord and His power, but they're not going to do what they always do. Why? Because that's what the Lord wanted. They did so, and they were victorious. The walls came tumbling down. No matter what might make sense to us, it's what the Lord says that has to be obeyed. Verse 18 says, And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take of the accursed things. And make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. So they've been given clear instruction not to take anything from this camp. Uh, chapter seven, um, verse one: but The children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took the accursed things. So the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel, And spoke to them saying, go up and spy out the country. So the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua. And they said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up from there, from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. And the men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gates as far as Shabar, and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. And a little bit further down, the Lord speaks to to Joshua. Joshua's in grief um, and just, you know, why has this happened to us? And he says in verse 13, Get up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Because thus says the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in your midst. O Israel, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come man by man. Then it shall be that he who is taken with the accursed thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he is and all that he has, because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord, and because he has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. So Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken, and he brought the clan of Judah, and he took the family of the and he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man. And Zabdi was taken. Then he brought his household, man by man. And Achan, the son of Carmi, was the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, was taken. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession to me, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel. And this is what I have done. What, when I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them all Sorry, brought them to Joshua and to all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them to the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Here we see an example of disobedience from Achan, and coupled with it, the obedience from Joshua, in step by step, following of what the Lord said. He went from nation, to tribe, to family, to household, to man. That's what the Lord said. That's how you're going to get to the bottom of this, and that's how I want you to decipher what's happening. So, Joshua brought the entire uh, people of Israel, went from nation, to tribe, to family, to step-by-step along the way, uh, instruction. When the Lord told him to get up from his face, he got up from his face. When the Lord told him what to do, he did exactly that. Uh, Whereas Achan only disobeyed one thing. He said, don't take it. I mean, don't take it. He took it. And we might think, well, he did it. The rest of the people of Israel didn't know I mean, why why should they all be punished? Why should 36 of them have to die uh, when it was very easily going to be an easy battle? They they didn't even take their full force. They only took a portion of it because the Lord commands obedience completely. Here we see that obedience has to start at the personal level and at the family level. We don't really have tribes and nations. But corporately, it goes all the way up. There has to be obedience in all aspects of the believer's lives. And to the point where they were stoned and they had to be burned with fire. If you'd like more information on the fire, you can listen to Robert's message from last week. It's very important that the holiness of the Lord be recognized. Achan did not fear the Lord and thought, he's not. I took one wedge of gold and a couple pieces of silver environment, I'll put that under my tent, be, no one will know, there's a thousands and thousands of people in Israel, and I just a wonderful thing, we must fear the Lord, we must recognize who he is, and his holiness, and his hidden disobedience, by judgment on the entire nation,
1: can <coughs> we me a second Samuel chapter 6?
0: whose name is called, by their name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. (coughs) Pump breaks a little bit, because right out of the gate, something doesn't sound right. They set the ark of God on a new cart. The Lord gave specific instructions on how the ark is supposed to be moved. There's little hooks on the sides for beams to be put in and to be carried on the shoulders. So already we're not off to a great start. Yeah, he's doing a a good thing. He's bringing the ark home. But he's not doing it the right way. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. There's another red flag. It was supposed to be Levites that carried it on their shoulders. Again, we're we're not quite following the instructions of the Lord. It's being, it's not being carried. It's being rolled on a cart, and it's not being moved by Levites. Uh, verse 4 and they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God and Ahio went before the ark then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments on tambourines, on cisterns and on cymbals Everything seems okay they're doing a good thing, they want to bring the ark back so they're bringing it back and they're having a great time worshiping the Lord doing so. The music as they go along. and, 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 and This is a, a good thing. And when they came to Nakon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it for the oxen stumbled. Now there's a little bit of a problem. The oxen stumbled. So now the ark small. Had the ark been carried the right way, there probably would not have been this issue. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. At the beginning of this passage, we read that they wanted to bring up from there the ark of God. And then there's a very specific emphasis whose name is called by the name the Lord of Hosts who dwells between the cherubim. This was the representation of the holiness of God right before their eyes. And they failed to recognize it, they failed to obey. It, it doesn't get any more personal than being right there, right between the cherubim, that they put on a cart. And because of this failure, God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And this is the interesting part here. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. And to be fair, I, <laughs> growing up, I always was like, this
1: really
0: doesn't seem fair. I mean, it was falling over. He's just trying to help. He didn't really do a bad thing. And that's what David's thinking here. He didn't really do a bad thing. And now, to be to be clear, I, I personally don't believe or think there might there's anybody who had a greater heart for the Lord than David. Um, I think he's he loved the Lord a lot. Um, but here, he's angry with the Lord because of what happened. Uzzah um, had good intentions. David had good intentions. None of these were bad deceitful intentions their plan was to do a good thing for the Lord but it was still disobedience because it wasn't how the Lord wanted it done chapter 6 continuing uh, look at verse 9 David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said how can the ark of the Lord come to you? now there's a recognition now there's a little bit of, of fear and respect for the Lord he was afraid of God that day. And he asked, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it it's aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite.
1: The ark of the Lord remained in the
0: house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was Told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obadim, and all that belongs to him, because of the Ark of God. So David went and brought up the Ark of God from the house of Obadim to the city of David with gladness. And so it was, when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep, then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all his house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord was shouting, and with the sound of the trumpet. So we get a review here. We get a before and after, so to speak. Uh, the wrong way. David steps back and repents, recognizes God and His holiness, and recognizes his error, and he starts to have fear. And then we get the right way. He comes back, and now people are carrying it and they're taking pictures, and he sacrifices to the Lord. And he then danced before the Lord with all his might. Danced in worship. In thanksgiving. He's now fixed the error. Um, and again, pin. I want to pinpoint on this. He worshiped the Lord. It's very important. He recognized his holiness. The holiness that was between the cherubim. Recognized his error and obeyed the Lord did what he wanted him to do, the right way, and he worshipped him. Uh, For sake of time, we won't read it, but in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 7 and verse 2, uh, or you don't have to turn it, I'll read it. Uh, The king said to Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside tent curtains. Uh, A little bit further down in chapter 8, verse 12, he says, When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after Will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. He really wanted to build a house for the Lord. It was something he purposed in his heart. I wanted. I want to do this for God. But God said, "No, you're not going to build the house for me." David, you know, could have very well. Just started building a house. He could have just started building it. I mean, he loves the Lord. It's a good thing to do for the Lord. And he just started bringing in all these supplies and could have built it. But instead, he went before Nathan, the prophet of God. He went to the Lord with what he wanted to do. And the Lord said, No, just wait. Someone else will do it. Um, and that's the way. He didn't just act on his own. He didn't just do what made sense. He didn't just shoot from the hail. Um, and so there's a difference here, you see, in how he acted before and how he acted after. Um, and it was a very good thing to want to build a house for the Lord, but it wasn't what the Lord wanted him to do. So, and uh, I apologize, you know, we're over time here. So with Noah, we see he obeyed the Lord and he worshipped him right away. With Abraham, he obeyed the Lord and he worshipped him along the way and uh, right away. Uh, With Moses, he disobeyed, he pushed back, he didn't present God's holiness. And because of that, he suffered the penalty. With Joshua, we see an obedience and a recognition immediately of God falling on his face. And hand in hand with with, uh, Achan, we see the exact opposite, and not fearing the Lord. And because of that, Joshua showing again obedience and a penalty on De Achan and his household. And the same with David and with Uzzah. With David, we see the same thing, disobedience and not following the Lord to the letter, not recognizing the holiness of the right before him. And Uzzah doing the same and paying the penalty for it. But right away, David recognizes and comes back and does it the right way. Um, in closing to read a verse in James chapter (laughs) 1 and verse 19 so then my beloved brethren let every man be swift to hear slow to speak, slow to wrath the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Um, At the very beginning we read a passage in Deuteronomy, and I'm going to read just the first verse again. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, his commandments always and everything from start to finish from the small things to the little things from the good things to the things we're not really sure about his commandments must be obeyed and we can't obey his commandments if we don't have the word follow the word and go to him who gives gives the instruction um we're we're blessed enough to have a a very good uh instruction man, um, and we've seen through these men, men who serve the Lord, the failures and the successes, the victories and the defeats, um, the promise of the curse and the promise of the blessing, if he is followed or if he is uh, disobeyed. Um, and so, and I apologize for going over, but um, you know, we keep it in our hearts at a personal level, at a family level, at a corporate level as a body, In every single thing, in every step of the way, that we would recognize who is God. His holiness. Look to Him for the instruction. And not just look to Him for what we want. Or maybe not fear Him. But recognize Him and then follow it. Follow it perfectly. If He says nothing, then we continue doing. Just as Abraham continued to the south. And if He says walk around the walls instead of attack with our massive army then we walk around the walls till it falls. let's follow the Lord completely and recognize his holiness and obey. Him. let's pray. God and Father we are so thankful for who you are.
1: Father we are so uh, blessed to be called your children
0: because of the wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ what he did on the cross of Calvary. Now, coming to this earth and as we were reminded this morning, a creator who was put to death by his creation. Father, we are so thankful that he was willing to do so, uh, to be obedient to you completely to the point of death. Father, we are so thankful uh, that he has not uh, remained in the grave but he has risen. And because of him, uh, we are yours. Father, we just pray this morning, um, as we have looked upon uh, much of your word, Those who lived before you, Father, uh, lived for you. We pray that we would uh, be mindful uh, of who you are, your holiness. You are a holy and mighty God, and uh, you deserve and demand obedience. And Father, we pray that in all things in our lives, we would seek to do your will. We would follow your word. Father, that we would um, make corrections where corrections need to be made. And continue steadfastly uh, so that we might be victorious through your word. Father, we are so thankful for uh, this word and uh, the great power that it has. Um, we pray now as we go uh, from here that you would bless everyone, keep everyone safe, be with those who weren't able to be here, um, that they would be encouraged and strengthened. And Father, we are again so thankful for what your son, the Lord Jesus, did on that cross. Um, and it's in his holy name uh, that we pray. Amen. Amen.